This is the Veterinary Life Coach Podcast with Dr. Julie Capel, episode number 191. Hey everyone, I just wanted to talk to you a little bit before we get into this podcast about what's been going on for me. I've been working at the veterinary hospital. We have a student with us now, which is really fun. She's in her fourth and final year of veterinary school, so she's doing her externships, having a good time with her and the other veterinarians that I've been working with. I will be working on a podcast with that veterinary student and the other vets that work with me now. I thought it would be an interesting perspective to have uh, people at different phases of their career uh, sitting down and talking about what goes on at the veterinary hospital and our different perspectives at where we are in our lives. So I will be working on getting that recorded soon, hopefully. They've all agreed to do it with me, so I'm very excited about that. I will be at the um, MVMA conference, which is coming up in October. So I'm really looking forward to that. If you're in Michigan and you're going to the conference, please come by and say hello to me. I'll probably be at the MVMA table area most of the time. I'm also offering some free coaching at the conference. So if you haven't tried it yet and you'll be in that at that Michigan conference, just come by and see me uh, so I can meet you and we can talk a little bit about life coaching. Also, don't forget to go to my website and sign up for my Wednesday Weekly Words. They are coming out every Wednesday for you. Oh, and one more thing while I'm thinking about it. I am trying to get my YouTube channel going a little bit better. Um, It's not very well watched at this point, uh, mostly because my music has been flagged. But if you have a chance to check it out, uh, my daughter does a lot of work on the videos for me, so I really appreciate that. And they are there if you want to watch some of the podcasts um, that I do interviews instead of listening. Um, So go to my YouTube channel, just look up Julie Capel or The Veterinary Life Coach. And also Instagram and Facebook, um, I'm on those. I'm also on TikTok, but I really don't uh, contribute to that much, but I am there. So if you're on TikTok and you want to share your videos with me, um, just go and find me and follow me. Same thing on Instagram and uh, Facebook. I'd love to hear from you. I'd love to talk to you. And if you have any questions, you can list them there. So this podcast is going to be fabulous for you. It is with Muriel Felus, and she was born and raised in France and lived 25 years in the U.S. where she raised three kids, and she was a single mom. And she coaches women on relationships, and as her kids became teenagers and she was having trouble with them being self-destructive, she became depressed and, as she says, spiraled down into depression. That experience was so painful for her that she promised herself that she would do everything she could so that no other mom would have to suffer alone. So now she helps single moms with teenagers avoid the constant arguments, prevent the spiraling into fear, guilt, shame, overwhelm, anxiety, and even depression. And she calls her um, program Co-Parenting with the Universe. So you can look her up on her website to see what she offers. But on this podcast, she tells her story and also teaches me a tapping exercise. 
So it's really interesting. I hope you get a chance to listen to it and do it. Thank you for coming here to listen to the podcast and let's get to it. Hello, friends. Welcome to the podcast. Today, I have a wonderful guest for you. Her name is Muriel Falouse. She's the founder and CEO of Co-Parenting with the Universe. And as you heard in the introduction that I did before the podcast, she has a fascinating story, and I'm really excited to meet her with you and hear more about her story. Welcome to the podcast, Muriel. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. Thank you for having me. And please correct me if I mispronounce your name, because I know you have this beautiful accent, (laughs) and my American (laughs) accent will probably butcher it. (laughs) Well, you did great so far. Awesome. That's beautiful. Well, will you tell me about yourself? Tell us all about yourself and your journey and what led you to doing what you're doing today. So a lot of people always talk about their purpose and how they found it. In my case, it was quite the opposite. My purpose found me because I started when I was in high school and uh, I had a teacher who asked me to help other students in the class with their grades in one subject and we started working together starting being social and what happened is that it gave them self-confidence and they raised grades their grades in other subjects as well so I always somehow drew to me especially girls who were struggling who or were in pain you know high school a lot of drama And (laughs) yes, I had some kind of soothing effect somehow. I wasn't really thinking anything about it. And it continued towards adulthood to a point where when I was raising my kids alone uh, in the US, I I had a passion for self-development, spiritual development. So I was studying all all the time. But I had women coming to me still, and I decided to start something on the side at home to have like gatherings of women. And I was mostly helping them with relationships. And at a certain point, I said, okay, I might as well get paid to do that. (laughs) And I decided to get certified and to create a business helping women with relationships. And then my kids became teenagers. Uh, And the last two were acting out in very exploratory ways, adventurous ways, dangerous ways, because I I raised them in Las Vegas. So there are a lot of good and bad there. And I started slowly, slowly sinking, spiraling into depression without realizing I used to be so anxious that one day they would do something that either would hurt them really bad or would put an end to their life. I really had horrible scenarios in my mind to a point where I was waking up in the middle of the night in anxiety with my heart palpitating and not knowing what to do. At the time, I've always, like I said, loved uh, self-development, but I started learning about changing your thoughts and how your thoughts create your reality. So I thought about picking different thoughts in order to stop those anxiety attacks. The only problem is that when you're so triggered, your brain, the part of your brain, the amygdala, 
is the stress center of the brain and it goes, it activates and it, it, you go on fight or flights, fight or flight and or freeze response. And you cannot change what you feel just with a thought. You have to use your body with it. Luckily, I knew a technique that is called emotional freedom technique or tapping. And I started literally tapping and, and using it on myself in the middle of the night. Um, I, didn't, I did not know that I was in depression. It's when my, my oldest came back to college and she was studying psychology and I saw the signs of depression and I was marking them and I was like, oh my God, oh, that's bad. So I asked my mind, my inner wisdom, the wisdom of the universe to help. And I woke up one night in tears because I finally was able to see something that I've never seen about myself. I didn't like my life. And I would never have admitted that there was too much shame in that because my kids were healthy. I had a job. Everything was quote unquote, okay. No drama ha happened. So I didn't feel that I had the right to say that. I felt that it meant that I didn't love my kids. But that night I realized that as human beings, we are big paradoxes on two legs. And that could be true. And the opposite could be true as well. Right. And right. I let myself, I, I brought the judgment, the self-judgment down and I let myself see that. And that was the beginning of healing. Uh, I used a lot of what I taught my clients, meditation, affirmations, tapping, everything I knew multiplied by 10. And um, I went back to myself. It took some time, but I went back and now I consider that depression to be a gift. It was a gift because it forced me to change the way that I do things to a point where I wanted to control everything myself. I wanted to protect them 24 seven, but no one can do that. So I had to learn to relinquish what is the universe is God, whatever you call that power, what is theirs and take action and focus on what is mine. And it seems easy, it wasn't easy to do, but to admit to myself that if God forbid, I was meant to lose a kid, there's nothing I could do that could change that. So there was no point in allocating any part of my energy and my thoughts to something that is so big that is not my job that I can control. And I started remembering when life had been there for me without me even lifting a finger, and realizing that whatever is protecting me and guiding me is also there for them. And only then could I focus on where do I have power? So that I call that the area of powerlessness and my area of power. And I focused on my area of power and I learned to do life differently. That's why I call the business co-parenting with the universe. I learned to develops becoming more self-regulating with my emotions to not let them take me for a ride every time and to have more distance and to emote and vibrate at a certain level so I could ask for help, guidance, and it always came. So it's kind of a partnership and that's what I now do today. Uh, that's what I teach moms. When I got back from depression and healed, I said it has been so, so painful. I don't want anyone to go through that. 
So that's what I now do with, uh, with other moms. Well, and isn't that a common thing that we moms do is we not only have stress and anxiety about our jobs and our homes and our husbands, but the kids are huge. Like some of the people I coach are just like so terrified that something might happen to their child at whatever age. And it's such a huge source of anxiety. It is. It is very common at any age, like you said, because it's it's really like visceral. It's our it's our flesh, and uh, I know they don't belong to us because they are their own being. But it's it's really overwhelming. And nowadays, there are so many. They are exposed to so many things that I wasn't when I was young. It makes things even more complicated. And add on that all the things that we haven't resolved about our own childhood, and that's it. That's that's the <laughs> then it gets exactly really messy, speed. right? <laughs> yes, yes, that's difficult. So what? So what would you tell mothers? And I guess this might be a little bit of a premature question, but what would you tell people that are caught like you were? And maybe don't even realize it that they're so anxious about their children or even you know anything in their life. Like, what does that first step look like? Because it sounds like you did it on your own. Did you kind of figure this all out on your own, or did you have a coach or someone help you? I did. I well, I always learn and always train myself with everything I can learn, but I did it on my own because frankly, I didn't even think I was so in a bubble of depression and wanting to disappear and having recurring thoughts of this is too hard. I can't manage all that by myself. I'm not equipped. I, I remember at one point that's very sad and strong, but I was saying, just take me. I wouldn't kill myself, mm. but I was like, just make me disappear. So I was really, really low. Yes. The first thing I would say is first acknowledge what is and let go of the self-judgment. Everything you feel is okay. Even if it's resentment, because sometimes we have resentment toward our kids when they do crazy stuff, but we love them at the same time. <laughs> Make it okay, whatever you feel. Come back to your body and start with the body. See where you are, acknowledge. And if you can find some friend or someone who won't judge you and tell it, speak it out loud. Because when you keep it inside, that makes it even bigger. You feel that you're alone. We always feel that what I'm living is, is unique. And I'm the only one thinking like that. And maybe I'm a bad person. Mm -hmm. So much judgment. There are so many other women like us. And like the moms who are depressed or the moms who are anxious. or just make uh, like connect to your body and find someone to talk. And if you can't find anyone to talk, what I used to do is if you are a meditator, talk to that power. If you don't have anyone to talk, write down, journal, let it out, let it out and try to come to a, a state of, of neutrality because when you're so negative, you can't jump to positive. That's too big of a reach. Come back to neutral. Like, come back to right now, in this moment, I'm safe. Mm -hmm. In this moment, they're safe. And the mantra, so this was one of my mantras. And the second one that really saved me was, 
I have what it takes. Yeah. Because I was constantly telling me I can't, I can't. I said, no, I have what it takes. And if you believe in a higher power, know that that's there to help you as well. You're not alone. There are other moms like you. There is a higher power if you believe in it. Uh, in, my, in my coaching, it's very spiritual. So there is that aspect. And know you have what it takes. You may not know yet how it looks, but you do have what it takes. Well, because a lot of that anxiety comes from that thought that it's out of my control, but I'm supposed yes. to be in control, but I can't control it. Like just that back and forth, those back and forth thoughts. And you feel so disconnected and so um, not in control. Like so, so many of us, especially uh, these type A moms feel like they need to control everything. And you just realizing that you can't is an exercise. No. Control, I would let go of that word because I'm, how would I say? I'm a recovering control freak. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I think we all are, right? Yeah. And, and in fact, in truth, you don't even control yourself, mm -mm. let alone other people. I mean, you don't control them. I remember my kids when they were, I don't know how old they were, but they were pretty young, like 10, maybe 12, 10. And I remember one of them telling me, just know, and I think that was my middle daughter because she's so strong in her ways. And she told me, well, I'm listening to you because I decide to listen, but it's not because of you. I said, okay, That's whatever works. Whatever. That was strong, but that was also true. Because yes. if, if they didn't want to listen, I had no way to really force them physically. No, that's not an option. So, but that's true. We don't control. And when and kids are smart, they come to you with answers like that, that you have to be ready for. And uh, <laughs> it's Yeah, my, my son used to say things like, well, why did you have me? Why did you bring me into this world? You know, when he was older and sassy in those teenage years. And I, that's a hard question to answer. <laughs> that is, that is, wow. I didn't even, I, thank God I didn't have a kid who asked me that because that's hard. <laughs> it is, Very it's hard. a hard question to answer, especially yes. when you're still trying to figure it out yourself. Exactly. Like why are we here? I, what's, yeah, what's life about? Yeah. Like that's a, a lifelong yes. struggle, right? Yeah, but the more we go, the more we form our own beliefs. And um, I always say, because I have beliefs that are pretty, I would say out norms. I believe in attraction. I believe in energy alignment. And I have friends who don't. And when they look at me, I said, you know what? I don't even, I don't even want to know if it's true or not. That's my belief. That's what I believe I'm convinced. And it helps me. I understand that it doesn't help you. That's fine. Everyone can believe whatever they want as long as it supports you in your life. Yeah. So what would you say is the first step if somebody is really buried where you were, they're in depression or severe anxiety, whether it's with children or just their job or some other thing that's causing them to really struggle, what would you say would be their first major step you talked about understanding your thoughts that's one right 
Yes. Uh, and some people have awareness of their thoughts, the ones that bring them there in anxiety. Some people don't. We're all different. Mm -hmm. But we all have the awareness of what we feel in our body. Okay. And so start with that. Yes. So what, what I would do is I, I'm going to explain tapping because I want people to know about that technique. It's an amazing technique that can rewire your brain. Please so do. Change yeah. the way you see life. So it's called Tap tapping. It's called tapping. It's also called emotional freedom technique because it helps okay. you get free of emotions that uh, keep you hostage. And it's a mix of ancient wisdom because we use the meridians that they use in acupuncture, the nervous and energy meridians. And in tapping, you use the, the top of the body and the head mainly and the hands. And you mix some elements of modern psychology like exposure therapy, where you are exposed to the problem, uh, cognitive behavior therapy, and those are the two main ones that we use. You also use a lot of, a little bit of um, auto-suggestion, you know, like with affirmations, but right away, when you're in the mix of anxiety, I would tap, uh, so the points are on the hand, and I have a video, a silent video that people can refer to at uh, liveeft.com. They can, until they learn the points. Okay. There is the side of the hand for the people who listened on audio. It's from the bottom of your pinky to the wrist, the flesh there, where you can tap with the other hands, like the three fingers or four fingers of the other hands. Then you tap on your head, the top of your head. Then you tap at the beginning of the eyebrow on the bridge of your nose with two fingers, one side, two sides, doesn't matter. Then you follow your eyebrow and you go down on the bone until you reach the corner of your eye and you tap there. Then you go under the eye on the bone in the middle, you tap there. Then between the mouth and the nose, you tap there. In under the, under the mouth, in the crease of the chin, you tap there. Then you have your collarbones just under the collarbone where it meets the chest bone, you tap with two hands there. And the last one is under the arm at the bra line. So I would tap on all those points like in a row. And like I said, I have a, a visual saying, right now I am safe, I am safe. All is well. I am safe. I'll find a solution. I have what it takes, even if I don't know what it is. I am safe until you feel because when you have anxiety, it can some people have pressure on their chest. Other, I had a client today. She had anxiety in her in her arms, uh, in your neck. It's very common too. Uh, in your stomach, wherever the physical sensation is located, you tap. You say, "I am safe." I acknowledge that sensation in my body. In my, then you can say in my stomach or wherever it falls. I am safe. I'm willing to calm down now. I'm willing to let it go. I'm willing to go back to neutral. I am safe. And you repeat over and over until you feel that there is um, a decrease in intensity. Uh, because even before you do that, you can somehow assess from zero to 10, where is the feeling? Uh, how high is the feeling? Like 10 is like, it's overwhelming. I can't breathe. I, like I was in the middle of the night. Like I feel like so, I'm having a heart attack, that kind of thought. Yeah. Yeah. 
or, or I'm so tensed in the neck, it's stuck. Mm -hmm. You will know if it's high. Some people have a hard time putting a number, say nothing to medium to really high. And when it's really high, after several rounds where you calm your nervous system down, if you can breathe from your nose and repeat, you will get to at least a three or four. You can continue to a zero, but when you're at a three or four, it's already a big improvement. And at that level, you can say, okay, if you know what you are thinking about, that's great. If you don't, that's fine too. What I have my clients do is when you're not in that state of anxiety, write down one, two, or three sentences that usually bring you to peace. Like, we all have the tools we need. I can learn the tools I need. I apologize. That's okay. Uh, I can learn the tools I need. I, I, there are ways. And remember, it's temporary. It's even if your kids are going through a rough time, and I can be really, really rough. I mean, in, our, in my house, I had a suicide, teen suicidal attempt. So mm. it was serious. But yeah, very serious. Temporary. It's temporary. We'll find a way. I am opening to seeing the way. I, I'm very big on opening too, because stuff comes to your mind. Your brain is going to look for the answer. When you give an order to your brain, it's looking for the answer always. That's why you have to be careful what you tell your brain. So if somebody's really feeling that anxiety and, and they know that's what it is, because sometimes we feel things and we're, we're just so overwhelmed, we don't know why. But if we can learn what our anxiety feels like or when we start to actually feel frozen or overwhelmed in just whatever feeling, that's when you can start the tapping. And it's something you could do in a short period of time, like if you had to go in the bathroom at work and do it, or your kids are around and you're like, I'm going to scream. I need to hide somewhere for five minutes and try to bring that anxiety down and overwhelm down. That's possible. That's always what I tell people, because I used to do that myself when I had a boss that would really irritate <laughs> me or something. I used to go to the bathroom and tap. Right, uh, right. Yeah, you can do it uh, in the bathroom if you have to. And even if you don't remember the word, the words, just breathe out and imagine that your body is processing whatever it is in your body and it's coming out. Your body knows I'm letting it out and until you feel some relief. And sometimes what can happen is that it can go a little bit higher because you're focusing on it. Continue tapping until it goes down. And even anxiety, you have moments of anxiety. You can live in a low grade of anxiety for years. That's where I was. But usually you're not even aware of it. I was not aware until yeah, I got to a not. place. Yes, because that was my normal. Mm -hmm. Until I got to a new normal and I was like, oh my gosh, I haven't felt like that since I was a kid or something. But yeah, tap. If you can't tap, let's say you can't go to the bathroom, breathe from your nose, count up to six and let go from your mouth up to six. Now, I, uh, want, you to, I want you to kind of lead me through a little tapping. Yes. But could, can you take pieces of it? Like if you're in public and you're feeling really overwhelmed and you don't want to do the whole thing on your face, 
Can you just do your hands? Can you just so, do your back? Like put your arms, like fold your arms in, and just touch your back? I was in back? the plane. I was in the plane not so long ago and I don't remember something was bothering me. And I was tapping on my hand. I was tapping on my hand. No one would uh, notice. No, when I'm in meetings and I'm triggered, you take both of your hands like that and you put the tip of your fingers against each other, like the 10 fingers. And you can so leave your, your thumbs connected so you have an anchor. And you do that. You tap your fingers against each other or under the table. No one will see. They would not know. Yeah, but the hand is really, it's called the reset point. It's really, really powerful. It's called the karate chop. And um, I'm going to switch off that. And um, the, the hand is really powerful. So it will reset on an energy level what you're feeling. So that's, that's the one I would recommend the most. Okay. So can you do a little one with me? Like, just tell me how to do it. So if somebody is listening or they are watching on YouTube and they want to learn how to do tapping, they might be able to at least start to figure out how to do it. I'm going to ask you to pick a subject, uh, some kind of a story, something that tr is triggering you, do you and let me know when you're there. And for the audience, you usually get anxious about a topic or about a person or about something specific, try to find it and to get to a point to you feel it in your body. Okay. Cause I have, and I have veterinary clients that feel it if they have to go into in a room with a, with a client that's angry or they're getting ready to do a surgery that they might, they might not be real familiar with or comfortable with. They'll start to get anxiety. Like those kind of things maybe is yeah. what I'm thinking. Or at home, well, we all have it with our kids, right? <laughs> yes. Um, so pick your story, give it a title. I'm gonna use, I'm gonna use your title because okay. you're demonstrating, but people will, will use their event or their situation or their anticipation. And they really need to feel from zero being, I'm not feeling any anxiety to 10. It's like, it's overwhelming. Be at a five or higher, I, okay. we won't stay there. But if you really wanna feel the effect of tapping, you need to feel the emotion. Okay, so you so, can kind of work it up. Like I, I might think, oh, there's something wrong with my kids or something bad's gonna happen to my kids or, you know, like you talked about before and that might get me to feel something. anxiety. Yes, or, or my kid is, is not doing well at school, he's gonna end up working at McDonald's, so many moms go there. <laughs> That's going to be a disaster. Or they might live at home forever. <laughs> yes. Or if you're talking about veterinarians, oh my gosh, what if the clients scream at me? Or yes. what if they become menacing? Or mm -hmm. if it's a surgery, oh my God, what if something bad happens to the animal, to the pet? Right. Yes. Really see your scenario, live it, bring whoever would be in the room with you if it's about a client imagine the client in front of you see the angry face hear the angry words uh if you're going into surgery see the surgery room the temperature is usually very low in surgery rooms so imagine the low temperature and the sound how it is and how equipped you are to go for surgery and connect with your i don't know maybe your heart is beating really strong connect to your body to where you feel it 
So, and, and they can stop the episode if they need a few minutes to connect to it, because what is great with tapping is that what is going to happen is that that topic or that situation has an emotional reaction. They are uh, associated nervously. The neurons are connected together. And when you tap, you intercept the stress response, but you still talk about that topic. So your brain learns that, oh, it's not so bad because my body feels different. It's not so bad, I'm not gonna die because that's always the fear, it's, it's ancestral. You feel it's a survival instinct, but right. you're not gonna die. So I'm gonna give you a few seconds to really center yourself in the emotion so you can feel it. Okay. So I have to kind of really imagine something that makes me anxious. Yes, exactly. Okay. Are you are you at a five or higher? What number do you fall on? Um, yeah, I could I could say it's a five. Okay. If if I really believe what I'm thinking and I and I'm trying to, so yeah. So same for the people listening or watching, you need to be at a five or higher. If you need more time, just pause the, the episode. We're gonna start, like I mentioned, on the side of the hand with the three or four fingers of the opposite hand. And we're gonna repeat, it's called an anchoring statement three times. So what's the title you would give to your story? Um, I'm gonna use the one that um, something bad's happening to my kids. Even though I'm so anxious that something bad's gonna happen to my kid. So I'm gonna ask you, I'm gonna leave some blanks I forgot to tell you. And you would repeat the sentence. Okay. Um, do you want me to make it more specific? Like something bad is happening to can, one or the you, other? Or does it can. matter? It, okay. No, for okay. you, for you it matters because okay. then you'll feel more well, relating. I'm kind of going to a place where um, I had to get coached one time because my daughter was called me very upset and it really like pushed me over the edge because I didn't want her to be upset. So that's kind of what I'm trying to picture is my daughter is not happy. She's upset. Something's wrong. That kind of story. So I'll use okay. that. Okay. okay. Even and her though, name's and Bridget. You, so Bridget and you were <laughs> yeah. feeling anxious or okay. Anxious because something's wrong with her. Even though I'm really anxious because something is wrong, wrong with Bridget. Even though I'm anxious because something's wrong with Bridget. I deeply and completely love and accept myself. I deeply and completely love and accept myself. And if that you have resistance to that, you can say, I, I'm willing to love and accept myself. I'm willing. I'm open to love and accept myself. Okay. Does it resonate better? Mm -hmm. Okay. Even though I'm really anxious because something wrong is going to ha is happening to Bridget. Even though I'm very anxious because something is happening to Bridget. I'm open to love and accept myself completely. I'm open to love and accept myself completely. And accept how I feel. And accept how I feel. Even though I'm anxious because something is wrong with Bridget. Even though I'm anxious because something's wrong with Bridget. I'm willing and I'm open to love and accept myself completely. 
I'm willing and open to love and accept myself completely. Now let's tap on the top of the head. Something is wrong with Bridget. Something is wrong with Bridget. Now on the beginning of the eyebrow on the bridge of the nose. Something is wrong with Bridget. I know it. Something is wrong with Bridget. I know it. On the side of the eye, on the corner, on the bone. Something is wrong with Bridget and it's making me anxious. Something is wrong with Bridget and it's making me anxious. Under the eye, on the bone. It's making me anxious. It's making me anxious. Now, where the anxiety is falling, where is the anxiety falling in your body? Um, it usually falls in my chest. And now it's like in your chest? I get kind of, yeah, I get kind of heart, heart palpitations or fast heartbeat kind of thing. Under the nose. All this anxiety in my chest and in my heart right now. All this anxiety in my chest and my heart right now. Under the mouth. All this anxiety in my chest and my heart. All this anxiety in my chest and my heart. Under the collarbone, all this anxiety because something is wrong with Bridget. All this anxiety because something is wrong with Bridget. All this anxiety in my body. All this anxiety in my body. Top of the head. It's at a level five right now. It's at a level five right now. Um, eyebrow. It's, it's pretty strong. I can feel it. It's strong. I can feel it. Side of the eye. All this anxiety because something is wrong with Bridget. All this anxiety because something is wrong with Bridget. Under the eye. I can see it or feel it in my body, depending on if you're visual or not. Are you visual or are you more? Um, I'm more feeling. I can I feel can it in feel my it. body. I can feel it in my body. If it had a sh under the nose, if it had a shape, what shape would it be? If it had a shape, it would be square. And a color, what color would it be? If it had a color, it would be red. Under the mouth. That red square in my chest right now. That red square in my chest right now. That where red square of anxiety in my chest. That red square of anxiety in my chest. Under the arm. It doesn't help, but it's there. Doesn't help, but it's there. Top of the head. That red square of anxiety is related to what's going on with Bridget. That red square of anxiety is related to what's going on with Bridget. Eyebrow point. It doesn't help. It doesn't help. Side of the eye, but I acknowledge and honor what I'm feeling. But I acknowledge and honor what I'm feeling. Under the eye. Even if I can't let it go completely, I acknowledge and honor what I'm feeling. Even if I can't let it go completely, I honor and acknowledge what I'm feeling. Under the nose. I give permission to my body to process that anxiety right now. I give permission to my body to process that anxiety right now. 
under the mouth. I give permission to my body to let some of it go. I give permission to my body to let some of it go. Do you have any resistance to the anxiety leaving? Mm -mm. No, I feel pretty good. <laughs> I now let my body deal with it and release it. I now let my body deal with it and release it. Any under the arm. Anything that doesn't support me is now leaving my body. Anything that doesn't support me is now leaving my body. And the last one on the head. And so it is. And so it is. Now take a deep breath. And go back to your story and see what number, I, at what number are you now? Um, pretty low. I, I think this was easier for me because there wasn't something like that just happened with her. Yeah. Like I was going yeah. back to something in the past, but I, yes. but I do feel the difference because I got myself back to where I was when it happened. And now I'm kind of like, oh, that, yeah, it definitely does work. And, and for the audience, sometimes it goes down to very low, sometimes to a zero. Sometimes it goes up because you are thinking and focusing on it. And it doesn't mean something wrong is going on. It just means you're connected to it. So keep tapping until it goes down. Because tapping really works. There is now over 100 studies to prove that it calms down the nervous system and it has the potential to literally change your brain, change the architecture of your brain, the neural pathways in the brain. Is there any um, length of time you should do it or just till you start to feel better? Like, so is usually, there recommended? Well, depending on the problem, of course, if it's a big problem, first of all, on big I problems, even, even me as a coach, when I have something really, really strong that's let's say something that's connected to money or survival, you know, I have to work with a coach because you, it's hard to, the coach is like a, a mirror and it will reflect to you stuff that you can't see yourself. We have blind spots, right. but as, as a person trying to work on small issues like that until it goes down. And when you have a, let's say you have an anxiety feeling every time you're going to go deal with a client because you don't feel at ease. What, what I do with my clients is I rehearse in advance and I see myself okay. I see myself responding differently. I see the client, I even play games. Like sometimes I see the client as a baby because a baby is not threatening and inside of them, there is a baby. And then I can, once I'm calmer, I can go and look at the client in my mind as an adult. Uh, train your brain, prime your brain to react differently. I do that with, with moms and I did that with my teenagers when there were a lot of resistance and conflict. I used to train myself in advance to see, sometimes they're grumpy or aggressive, with their words, I would see that, hear that in my mind and stay calm. Remember, remember them as, as tiny babies. Remember that they are teenagers and it's the all hormones. It's not them. It's, it's, it's not them. It doesn't mean they don't love you. It doesn't, we put all that, that meaning. We give mm -hmm. meanings to things. Yeah. So you can train yourself to respond instead of react. Yeah. My, when my son was a teenager and even in college, he used to, 
when he was really upset, he would call me because he just wanted someone to listen. But as a mother, it was so upsetting because I didn't want him to be upset. So I would get so worked up and then he would get mad because I'd try to fix it rather than just listen. (laughs) And so I learned that when he called, I would get very anxious as soon as the phone would ring and I would have to say, it's fine. He just needs support. It's good that he's talking to you. Like I had to have this little mental, you know, download before I picked up the phone because I knew that he might be upset and he wasn't always, sometimes it was a false alarm and he was fine, but I would be like, okay, this could be bad. So you're going to have to be calm and just listen and it's all okay. And like, kind of like coach myself before I picked up the phone. So it's so true. I had the exact same problem because especially as a coach, I was going right on fixing We want to fix it. Mm-hmm. And she was like, no. So I learned to be a soundboard and just listen. And sometimes I would even agree with her. And she was like, ah. but in fact, no, it's not like that. So it's funny. <laughs> yeah. I know I did that to my son once. He called me and he wanted to drop out of college. And I was like, all right, pack your stuff and I'll be there in an hour and we'll go and we'll leave. Like, let's just do this because he was struggling (laughs) and he was like, well, I can't, I have a rehearsal tonight. And I'm like, well, not if you're quitting, don't go to the rehearsal. Let's just pack your, oh, and then he got really mad because I kind of like did that reverse psychology (laughs) and he got mad at me. So yeah, it's, it's really challenging being a parent, isn't it? It is, but we learn so much on ourselves. We learn our limits. Uh, I've learned when my kids were young there was stuff that I loved in the way that I was raised. And there are stuff that I said, I will not do that. Mm-hmm. And I remember once I was screaming on my kids, I don't even remember why. And I stopped myself and I was like, oh my God, I'm doing exactly what I said that I wouldn't do. So right. I caught myself and I trained myself like I was explaining to react differently because in my family, my father was had that negative belief that if you don't listen if you don't do what he says and every kid will disobey once in a while that means that you don't love him that was something that he also learned from his parents probably and I was carrying that same exact belief and in that moment I felt unloved and that's why I was reacting so strongly and I was like oh my gosh no that's not true and I had to change and train myself yeah. So, so with a parent that's really stuck, cause you coach parents and relationships with their children, I'm guessing, right. If they're really struggling and they don't feel like a good parent, like they have that story in their head that they're not doing it well, what do you recommend? Like, where do you start? Is it all about loving yourself first or what do you, what do you recommend? It's, it's about look at it. Is it true? Are you really mm-hmm. doing something you shouldn't do? Is it a Because sometimes we do. Sometimes we do. And uh, people talk about guilt and as being always bad. I don't. There is a certain guilt that when you feel it, you say, okay, I will never do that again. That's not okay. And that's good for you because then you grow. But you feel it, you, you commit to not do that, and then you let go of that guilt. Don't bathe in it and, and beat yourself up carry it around yes so because there are so many consequences to that on a a, a, a brain level on an energy level on everything 
Now, if that's true, then do whatever you have to do, learn whatever you have to learn to do differently. Most of, in most of the time, it's not true. So you just ask yourself, is it true 100%, no doubt? And if you find that it's not true, then stop. You need to do what I call uh, like an, um, an intervention, an emotion intervention. You, I even have, I used to give, uh, I think I'm going to give it again as a freebie, a meditation, a visualization where you see your thoughts and the problem, the situation with distance, because there is always a message. And the message may be stop thinking that thought. <laughs> it's like you just have, like you would be with a three-year-old if they're going to drop something on them that's going to hurt, hurt them. Stop. You do the same thing with you. Sometimes you have to be firm. Enough with that story. Our stories create the way we feel, create what we do or what we don't do, because based on the way we feel, we're going to take action or not. And then it creates the results in our life. So that's the, where it starts. If you tell yourself, I'm a bad mom, start investigating. Is it true? Do you have to change something? And I would change from I'm a bad mom to I made bad decisions. Everybody does. I, you, we don't always make the, the right decision, but we can correct. That's the beauty of it. We are not going to damage our kid because we did one thing once. That's not right. happening. Yeah. Uh, unless it's something huge, but I, I don't think that's the case here. And if it's not true, just intervene on yourself. No more. And I would put, I would, I would take a, a box and I would write down everything that I do well, everything that where I am a, a good person. It, going back even when you were a kid, how do I know that I am a, a, a decent person if you don't want to say good, let's say decent. How do I know that I do good in the world? How, what did I do well and good for my kids? How do I love them the, core, the, the right way in my mind? And put, put all kinds of flashcards in there. And when you feel like that, just pick one. And if it doesn't, it's not enough, pick two. And if you see that it's too strong, then you're stopping. Yeah. But, and you're trying to retrain your brain to think differently. Yes. So because you're letting brain, go of those negative thoughts and you're replacing them with more positive thoughts. And it's a process. That's why I tell people yes. when I'm coaching them, this isn't like a switch. Like they, they'll talk to me and they'll say, you've got it all figured out. I'm like, oh no, it happens to me all the time. My kid calls, I go down the path of worry. And then I got to work on it. And it's just like this constant, you know, but it gets easier the more you work on it. The, the beauty of it is where before we would spend three days worrying. Now we spend an hour and we bounce back. We remember uh, it's the brain learns with repetition and emotion. So the more we train, the more it learns. It's a magnificent machine. I always say. Yeah. And many of the negative things that are in there are things that we've thought for so long that they're hard to unravel. And that's why I love that the idea with the tapping and the meditation is because sometimes you get so cranked up that you have to come down in order to start the work. You can't work when you're in that super high anxiety. Can't work yeah. on it. No, you can't because uh, the, the brain is sending biochemicals of anxiety. And because you feel anxious, you send thoughts to the brain that are anxious. It's a vicious cycle. 
So mm -hmm. that's why you need an intervention and uh, tapping is a tool to intervene. And sometimes you don't need such a big intervention. You just go and uh, dance, dance, <laughs> move, move the energy. Take of a your walk. Body. Yes. Yeah. Hug a puppy, uh, I say, at work. If, if there's yeah. puppies, hug them. Oh my that God. <laughs> I, I have two cats and, and sometimes you melt. Your heart is melting because they're so cute. How can you not feel good when you look at stuff like this? Right. I, I have my, my people do a, a, a notebook with stuff that make them feel good, like can shift them right away. And that's one of those for me. So yeah. some people garden, some people pet a, an animal. And I've read that petting an animal actually balances your own hormones. So it's good for us. It's, there are so many little things that we can do to train ourselves to feel better, to shift that emotion. Right. And, it, and it's work. Like I, I always remind people that it doesn't happen overnight, takes time. I'm sure it took time for you. You said you were deep in depression. How did you it, climb it, back out of that? I think it took maybe six months to fully come back to myself. Uh, but when you already start feeling better, then you have, you know, ups and downs during the day. And, but it's, it started really with the story I was telling myself. I was telling myself they're in danger and I cannot protect them. And when I stopped, I intervened on that and I did some tapping to trust life. I, it, it already took a big chunk out of it big huge and some people it goes faster some people they can shift like that I had a client once who was dragging and dragging something about the death of her father for 10 years we did one session and it went away it's we never know it's when yeah. you're ready yeah it's powerful Yes. So if somebody, um, because you work with parents, especially single parents, right? Single mothers. Yes. If yes, someone single. is in that situation right now and they have, let's say they have, I guess it doesn't matter what age. I mean, there's problems at all ages, right? Yeah. If, yes. if they're feeling very overwhelmed by being a single parent or even a single working parent, which most, most mother, single mothers have to work, what would be your first, um, piece of advice for them to start working towards feeling empowered by their situation rather than overwhelmed by it first so with my angle of things where there is a spiritual aspect to it sit down and ask for help and let yourself be loved because we are loved by by a power bigger than ourselves be willing to open yourself and connect to that because that power will give you love. I remember when I was alone and I, I raised my kids in a country where I had no family, barely any friends. And I've always been the coach in my family. So when, when I'm down, nobody knows how to bring me up. So <laughs> yeah, when you're the person that's always got it together, yeah. people don't, don't think that you, that you're struggling, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so I sat on my meditation cushion and I was saying, thank you. I saying, thank you for everything you have. Don't start looking at what you don't have. What's not going well. Just look at what is going well. Your kids are healthy. That's major. You have a roof above your head. I know we take those things for granted, but 
I think since COVID, a lot of people realize that it's not necessarily granted because a lot of people got into struggle. Right. That's, that's a blessing. Being able to watch a video or listen to an episode like that with people who can be at any, in any, any location in the world. I mean, today, if we don't get help, it's because we don't want to, because with all that is available everywhere, if right. you don't resonate with one teacher, go pick another one. There are ways. And, and in most cases, very simple stuff. We discard it because we're like, huh, that's too simple. I know that. Until you do it, until you do it with your own body, you don't know it. You know right. it intellectually, but it won't change you. Start doing. So if she feels and love, mirror affirmations. Uh, Louise Hay, I don't know if you know Louise Hay, but she was the mother of mirror affirmations. You go in front of the mirror and you look at your, yourself and that may seem crazy. Look into your own eyes and say your name and say, I'm there for you. Maybe no one else mm -hmm. is, but I'm there for you. I love you. And you're not alone. And remember, you're not alone. There, are, there is a power out there. Uh, if you if you're willing to really take more action in the world, go to Facebook group, connect with a mom there and, or put a message, hey, I need to talk to someone. Just for small talk and coffee, is there someone who would love to talk with me? And I bet you if it's a mom's group, there will be. <laughs> someone will be. Yeah, because we know we're all in the same boat. Yes, yes. And I know that for single moms, sometimes you have to deal with all, all of it or yourself. And in my case, you have to protect your kids from the other parents. So it's an other mm -hmm. layer of difficulty. Stress, but right. We are not alone. I'm not and alone. It, that's that's yeah, that's powerful. Is that yeah. that there is somebody there for you no yes. matter what? Yes. No. I believe that. I, uh, I prayed once because my, my son, he was, he was 13 and he was struggling, skipping school and doing crazy stuff. And I heard about the organization in the US, it's called Big Sisters, Big Brothers. And those, mm -hmm. it's an organization to match kids with adults to get a good role model because when boys live with moms and they don't have a good male role model, it's, it makes things more difficult for them. So I mm. enrolled him there and they told me he's 13. There is very little hope because people want younger kids. I said, well, I don't mind. Put him in your database. And I forgot about it. And two years later, when he was 15, he was really, I don't remember, acting out, skipping school, doing crazy stuff. <clears throat> And I calmed myself down and I asked, I said, okay, show me. Do I need to learn something? Do I need to meet someone? What's the next step? And stay really flexible because it can come in weird ways. Don't mm -hmm. be too attached to how it should come. <laughs> Two hours later, big sisters, big brothers called me and they said, we have a match. When two years earlier, they said he was too old. Right. And it was an amazing person where he's still in contact with him today. That's and amazing. it changed, yeah. it changed his, his life. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, so the universe works in mysterious yeah, ways. Exactly. Yeah. In, and sometimes we are like, we want this kind of answer to our question or to our prayer. That's why we miss it. 
sometimes we do have to work we do have to learn something mm -hmm. or we do have to stop doing something i had to learn to listen more and validate more instead of always saying what i thought they should do and yeah. it made all the difference but i had to do the work well and i think if you remember too especially the moms out there that are struggling whether you're a single mom or not and your kids are acting out like you said yours were just knowing being on the other side of it my kids are adults now my my kids struggled at certain times in their growing up but they got better like they grew up and it was part i could see on the other side that the struggles that they were going through were were the reason that they were better humans now like the struggles that they went through were kind of meant to be because now they learned so much from going through what they went through that they're you know, they can handle so much more. Um, it, it's something that when you're in the midst of it, you don't see. But when five years down the road, seven years down the road, 10 years down the road, you'll be like, oh, that's why he had to go through that. Or that's why she had to go through that to get her here, or get him here. But did go, do some really difficult things that changed them as a person and, and they became better for it. And I think if you can remember that when you're in the midst of it, that there may be some good in this, if I can just wait, this will change this, you know, this small human <laughs> and they'll be a better adult. Absolutely. And also when my kids were doing crazy stuff, go and see what trait of character, what strength are they demonstrating, even though they are demonstrating mm -hmm. it in a wrong way. But I, one of my daughters is so, when she decides something, and since she was a baby, she's like that, she will make it happen, whether it is something good or bad. So I know she has that for her. And my oldest is type A, like putting 150% effort. And sometimes she's sick because she pushes herself so much. My middle one and my son, it's minimum investment for maximum results. If they were uh, stock uh, traders, they would be super successful. They would be rich. <laughs> so they wouldn't get the A's, but they would get the B's and the C's. They would, they would be wherever they needed to, to go wherever they wanted, even though that's also, that wasn't my preference, but that's also some kind of, I, I wouldn't say street smart, but I don't know how it's called. Smart way to go in life too. Right. That can be useful. Yeah. So some of those things that we see as negative characteristics in our children yeah. will eventually serve them well. Exactly. Yeah. And sometimes the experiences too, which is kind of where I was going is like, you wonder why they have to go through this, this difficulty or maybe your kids being with a single mother and you feel like that's not fair or whatever, whatever emotions you're going through but on some level, they're gonna be better adults for it, for having that experience. They will. And, in a lot uh, of ways. and they learn, and I've, I've watched them sometimes make their own mistakes and then let it, let it be. And then I'm like, so did you learn anything? Well, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's for their good. Yes, So as long as it's not dangerous, of course. Well, right, for sure. So is there anything else that we wanted to talk about that we haven't talked about before we start wrapping up this podcast? I'm I, looking at my questions that I had for you. I think we I covered don't a lot remember. of them. 
but I think whatever we talked about is is what we were supposed to talk about, I guess. <laughs> I believe that too. Hopefully something reached someone out there and the people exactly. that it was supposed to reach. I believe that too. The universe will make sure of that. Exactly. So what else would you like to share? Do you have any um, mantras, a, a routine that you do every day? What, what would you like to share? I do, I do up? affirmations. I do affirmations and I mixed in gratitude affirmations with affirmations uh, of stuff that I want to be true. In the morning, is that what you do? Uh, yes. Because I writing. talk to people about doing gratitudes when they get like in the evening before they go to bed to kind of try to change their mind to be positive, but you're doing it in the morning. I do it in the morning. So I pave my day mm, and yes. I see that I'm way more positive when I do that in the morning. In the evening, I usually, I do a short meditation or uh, a guided visualization sometimes when I'm in the mood. So it puts me to sleep gently. To and sometimes lately... Lately, I'm at an age where I wake up in the middle of the night. So when I can't go back to sleep, I meditate and it puts me back to sleep. So sometimes I meditate at four o'clock in the morning. That's amazing. That's great. And it does work, right? It does. I have to do, when I meditate, I have to do it with an app because I'm not very good at calming my own brain down. But if I have someone telling me to do it, it helps just like you leading me through the tapping. And sometimes I do, if I'm really, really, let's say, I, I don't know, I'm too busy in my mind, or sometimes I need a, a, a vehicle to, to stay on track. Um, but even when I meditate without a visualization, I always have my own mantra. And I always remember, uh, just be, I don't know why it, it's oh, what works for me. Just, just be, be. Like, don't do yeah. uh, nothing just be. And I repeat, I see that my thoughts are going somewhere else. I'm like, no, just be. That's and a great I, mantra. And that's an easy one too, right? Yeah. I don't know. It's and you just can apply that easy. to anything. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Even when you're anxious about your work or your kids or, okay, I'm just going to yeah. be right now. Yeah. Or, or when I, I went to visit my daughters because I left the U S and I'm far away from them. And it was so hard to say goodbye that my body a week prior the departure, I was starting to be sad. And mm -hmm. I was like, no, no, no. I'm not gonna waste this last uh, week. And I started really focusing on, I'm sorry, my neighbor has a phone. That's all right. I forced myself to be, be now, be now in what you're That's doing, nice. in what you're doing. And that's the first time in my life that I had, be, I had to be so forceful with my mind because it was such a big thing for me to leave them that I really had to grab myself and intervene on my thoughts and do that maybe three, four, five times a day. But I, I, the experience was amazing. It was different from any other time. I was, really, I was really into the moment and my head was so free. It was amazing. And you could really enjoy that time. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. So we can do this again if we think of more things we want to talk about. I really enjoyed our conversation and I really enjoyed meeting you. Is Me there too. a place where people can find you if they want to learn more about what you do and 
if they're a single mom that feels like you can help them? So I have my website, coparentingwiththeuniverse.com. And there you can find, I have a podcast. I have some YouTube videos with tapping. I have a whole playlist on tapping. Mm -hmm. And currently I'm getting ready to launch a, a free seven day challenge about tapping five minutes a day on each with each chakra. Okay. And so if they want to join that, they just have to join the mailing list and they will receive the, the videos to do that with me and, uh, and change because the, the brain changes in like with the habit. So, well, and I yeah. find that your accent is very soothing. So I could see that oh, listening you. <laughs> to you do that would be, would be helpful because you have such a beautiful accent. Thank you. I I've been, told by my my students that when I had take them in meditations I, I put them to sleep sometimes because it's <laughs> like no guys stay with Don't me fall asleep <laughs> you need to learn that's amazing well yeah. I really had a good time and this has been a lot of fun I appreciate you so much coming on the podcast and talking to us and um, hopefully we can uh, do it again or we'll see each other again because I've really enjoyed meeting you and hearing your story Likewise. Thank you. Me too. Thank Me you too. so much. Thank you for listening, everybody. Have a beautiful week.